Hello, Trekkies. Welcome back to another episode of Yelling About Star Trek. My name is Christian Fox, and this is a show where I yell at you about all things Star Trek for your amusement, so I'm not yelling at my friends and family who don't want to hear my thoughts and theories on this fantastic franchise. Today, I want to get a little bit more personal than I usually get in these episodes, That's maybe not entirely true, but I want to open up and try to have a heart-to-heart about my struggles with new Star Trek. I like it, I enjoy it, I look forward to new seasons, but I don't seem to be getting as into it as, say, classic Trek and Rick Berman era Trek. But before I get into all of that, make sure you get out of your space pajamas, put on your shiny spare boots, get a cup of coffee, get a cup of tea, maybe some iced tea if you want to pull the Archer Maneuver, and brace for impact because things are about to get nerdy. So I want to start off this episode by talking about a recent experience of mine. Okay, this isn't like groundbreaking, nothing horrible happened, but it's just indicative of a larger problem. Last Saturday, I had the night to myself, wasn't doing anything, didn't have any plans. It was just going to be a quiet night, relaxing. And in that time, I had the opportunity to catch up on a lot of the new shows that have come out. I started watching Book of Boba Fett, which I'm liking a lot. So I got to do that. And of course, aside from Boba Fett, the other big show that I need to be watching is Star Trek Discovery Season 4 which I have started, but I haven't caught up yet. So on Saturday, when I had all this time to do new things and to watch new shows and get caught up, I finished Book of Boba Fett like a good person because I thought I I need to finish it in case somebody mentions something and I get it spoiled for me. Uh, You know, that happened with Mandalorian Season 2, which was my fault, but it was kind of annoying still. My fault, technical responsibility. So I finished that up and then... I was like, I should probably watch season four of Discovery, get caught up on the newest episodes so I can get to the finale and have discussions with all my other fellow fans who have been enjoying the past season. And I debated for a minute and I thought, you know what? I don't really feel like doing that. I'm going to watch TNG instead. So what did I do? I watched Up the Long Ladder. And if you're like, what the heck is that episode? I don't even remember it. You're probably not wrong to not remember it. It's not the greatest one, but it is the one with the Irish people. And I don't mean the folks from Fairhaven in Voyager, but I'm talking about the Irish folks with the chickens and and all the straw. And there's that very attractive Irish lady who has a thing for Riker and Riker has a thing for her and they kiss and it's all, ooh, Riker's going to fall in love and then nothing happens. And then they're involved with some clones or not clones themselves, but they're involved with another group of colonists also from Earth who became a population of clones, which the episode actually itself wasn't bad. I quite enjoyed it. But it was like, why did I spend 45 minutes watching an episode of TNG Season 2 that nobody likes instead of watching current Star Trek and getting caught up like I should have? 
I don't know. It's just because, again, it speaks to the larger problem of I'm just not connecting with new Star Trek the same way that I've connected with old Trek. Now, recently, I should say, and when I say recently, I mean in the last day, I you know was working on catching up with, with Discovery and am now actually quite into it. I'm looking forward to watching the next couple of episodes. So that's going to be fun doing that tonight. After I record, I'm going to make some chicken and watch uh, Discovery Season 4, uh, the last couple of episodes. And then we'll, you know, I'll be ready for when the uh, show comes back after its break. But that was only in the last day or so. Even with the season premiere, I just wasn't quite feeling it. So that's kind of what I want to get into is try to talk about what I'm not loving about New Trek and maybe why I'm not connecting to it. And I'm hoping that by having this dialogue sort of with myself, but also with you, the listeners, which I'm not seeing what you're saying because I haven't recorded it yet and I'm recording it now, if that makes sense. I don't know why I'm going on this weird tangent. but And I thought, you know what, maybe if I talk about my feelings about New Trek, maybe I'll actually have an answer or come to a bit of understanding of why I'm just not connecting to it. Much in the same way that Cisco does his log when he's dealing with the, you know, the whole Romulans getting into the war situation. He's trying to process everything, so he does a log to himself and then erases it. I'm doing the same kind of thing, even though I'm not dealing with anything that horrible and that uh, stressful. And for this episode, it's going to be quite different in the sense that it's not structured. It's just a free-form conversation that I'm having with myself. Usually when I try to make an argument or make a statement about something, I try to come up with like three points as to why I think something is the case. But I really can't do that. So first, I'm going to talk about Picard because Picard is the easiest thing that I can point to about New Trek that I'm not loving. When Picard was announced, I was incredibly happy, just like everybody else. You know, it was a great day. I got a new car, actually my very first car, Subaru Impreza 2018, still love it to death. I had a date with this girl in Toronto, which was reasonably good. I thought it went really well. We hit it off, but you know, things didn't end up uh, continuing beyond, I think, maybe date two or three, but doesn't matter. And then I got the news that Picard was coming back. So that date... And I want to say this was August 2018, I think, was just amazing. And like Picard coming back again was just the coolest thing. This idea that you could have your hero, Captain Picard, who hadn't been in a movie or TV show since 2003, I think. I could be wrong, whenever Nemesis came out. Coming back to TV is just like, how can you get cooler than that? Obviously, the closest comparison is Luke coming back to Star Wars, which was also really cool when we knew that was going to happen. But when I saw the show and I saw what they did with Picard, I just wasn't loving it. And and I can point to the reasons I didn't like it. And I've talked about this before in the podcast. I actually did this as my first episode where I said I didn't like the fact that Picard became what I refer to as the sad old man trope, which I got that idea from Honest Trailers, where, you know, he's just kind of moping around the vineyard. He's not really loving life. He's miserable. And it takes this journey that he goes on for him to get his mojo back and to become the Picard that we remember. Even though he doesn't really become the Picard that we remember, he becomes a very different Picard, which I get. He's older. 
20 years have passed since Nemesis. So I understand that. It just, it, it, it didn't have the, the magic or the gravitas, maybe. I don't know if that's the right word. But he didn't feel like Picard. And I know, again, obviously 20 years have passed, so he's not going to feel like Picard from the movies. But I would have liked, I don't even know how to phrase it. Like the only comparison I can make is to Riker, who Riker in this show, in Picard, is very different than the Riker that we left at the end of Nemesis. But he still felt like Riker. He was dad Riker. He was disheveled hair, you know, working in the garden, uh, calling for Troy, saying things and just behaving like a dad. And, you know, he made pizza. And I love that. I love how you can get, like, super smooth William Riker from the TV show and bring him back and make him Dad Riker, which I love Dad Riker. I love the idea that he had kids. And I love the fact that for the most part, they did have their happily ever after. I know there was the death of their their son, which is very sad. And I don't know why they included that as part of a plot line. I don't know why they couldn't have just either had two kids in the show or just had, you know, the one kid. That doesn't, I don't know why they brought in that that trauma of having lost a child but even with all of that they still seem relatively happy and actually not just relatively they seem very happy and that's what i guess i wanted to see i wanted to see a happier picard maybe picard in retirement with beverly or someone that we knew that he had feelings for clearly bev is the obvious choice but there's other people from his past that maybe even a niche from insurrection that would have been interesting to see him living life with a partner and really just being like, I've devoted my whole life to the Enterprise. Now I want to devote it to you kind of thing. And that would have been really sweet. If the writers were like, hey, we don't want to do romance. We don't want Picard to be in a relationship, which is what they ended up going with. They could have had Picard on some alien planet doing archaeology. And that could have been interesting, and it would have still been like Picard doing something active and doing something that he was passionate about and not just being miserable. So that was one aspect, and I don't want to rehash all of that. And then the other thing was, I just the look in the field didn't quite feel like Star Trek to me. It felt more like Iron Man, or rather a combination of Iron Man and whatever dark and moody sci-fi show you can think of, but that's how it felt. And the storylines didn't seem to feel quite like Trek. Yes, obviously Trek has evolved in its storytelling, but there was just something about it that just didn't seem right to me. So when I look at Picard, I can see 100% why I'm not vibing with that series. I'm still going to watch it. I still enjoyed aspects of it because, you know, I'm a lifelong Trekkie. So if there's a new Star Trek episode that comes out, I will watch it at some point, even if I'm not as excited about it as I am other shows that I'm really into, or old Trek, whatever you want. I don't know what you want to call it. old Trek, classic Trek, classic Trek, Rick Berman Trek, all of that. But that's kind of what I was into. So for Picard, it's really easy for me to point to aspects of the series that I don't like and understand why I'm not vibing with it. And of course, there's Lower Decks, which I actually really enjoyed, and I thought it was really well done. Felt like Star Trek had the vibe of Star Trek, but was very funny. But even with that... I didn't feel compelled to watch it every single week. It was more like, oh, right, there's a new Lower Decks episode. I better check it out. And then I would watch it and enjoy it. And then there was one day where I binged two or three episodes. and was like, all right, this is cool. But it wasn't appointment viewing. 
And when I say appointment viewing, it wasn't what I would consider to be the ultimate appointment viewing, which is Friday night. Friday night, I like to get my shawarma. I like to get my fries, Diet Coke. I don't know I'm telling you my order, but this is what I get on Friday nights. And then I watch a show. Lately, it's been The Rookie. I'm loving The Rookie. I think it's phenomenal. Nathan Fillion is great. And the cast is really, really good in the show. And all the acting is great. And I love the storylines. So that is becoming my appointment viewing. Like Friday night is rookie night. Not Star Trek, which it should be, but rookie night. That's sort of how I felt with Lower Decks. And I guess maybe the reason for Lower Decks that I wasn't appointment viewing is because it wasn't live action. It was animated, which I respect animation, but it was essentially it was a half hour comedy, not a full 45 minute thought provoking Star Trek episode. So that was Lower Decks. Then there's Discovery. And Discovery is the show that I can't quite pin down because I like all the actors in Discovery. I like the storylines. I love what they did last season where they ended up bringing Discovery into the future because that solves all of the canon issues. I like the idea that they were trying to rebuild the Federation and bring it back to what we all know and love about the Federation. This season I'm quite enjoying. I like the fact that it's a cool sci-fi mystery what the heck is going on. Why is weird stuff happening? Why are planets just being wiped out by this anomaly? I love the new uniforms. I like the character growth. I love what they're doing with Hugh Colbert, by the way, because I don't know why I just called him Hugh and not by his last name, where he's the doctor, but he's also a counselor. And he's doing an amazing job of helping the crew not only adjust to the present, but also adjust to the fact that, hey, there's this terrifying anomaly coming at planets and there's nothing we can do to stop it from destroying planets and killing billions of people. So I love all of that stuff. And the visual effects are good. I like the set design. The sound effects are there. But there's just something about the show that I'm not connecting with that's not making it Friday night shawarma and fries material that spot is still going to the rookie and that's what i can't wait to watch is the rookie because i want to see what's going to happen i'm not quite feeling that way with discovery now granted as i said at the top of this episode i actually am enjoying discovery more now than i was even a few days ago just because i like I, I really enjoyed the past couple of episodes and i'm i'm very excited to see what happens tonight but there's a reason I'm not saving this for Friday. Right now, I'm saving this for a Wednesday dinner. So for me, Monday to Thursday are my shows that I watch when I'm interested, but I don't feel like they're worthy of the Friday night spot. So for some reason, Discovery just hasn't gone to that spot yet. And, you know, last season, I felt that it was actually a bit more Friday night worthy for me, but still not a lot. And then I did do the Friday night thing where I would watch it and, you know, had good junk food and that was for the premiere. But as I said, the rest of the episodes just haven't hit that spot for me yet. It's just harder for me to place why I'm not connecting with it because, as I said, I like all the individual elements. I like the storylines. I'm enjoying the characters. I like the special effects. I like the cinematography. I like the sound design. I like the set design. All of those things I like individually, but they're just not connecting with me in a Star Trek way. And that's what I want to talk about is really get into why I'm not feeling that way. And one of the things I want to look at just to provide more context, because I am rambling quite a bit here and I apologize. I'll try not to ramble too much. But 
when I think about, okay, what am I not liking about Discovery? I can point to the fact that maybe it's too modern. Maybe it doesn't look like Star Trek. Maybe it doesn't feel like Star Trek. And that would be the easy answer. But the thing that disproves that is my love of the Chris Pine movies. I love 2009. I watched it all the time. Well, I shouldn't say all the time. I haven't watched it in quite a while. But Into Darkness is one that I go back to all the time. I mean, like, all the time. And then Beyond, I enjoy. I don't watch the full movie quite as much, but I do always go back to that Captain's Log. I think the Captain's Log in that movie is phenomenal. But overall, I go back to those movies all the time. And those movies, as we all know, are really modern. So they have modern-looking sets. They have modern-looking uniforms, modern-looking camera movements and the sound design is more modern so all of that stuff is the same for discovery obviously discovery is slightly more modern because they came out in 2017 whereas beyond was 2016 but really it's not that much more modern like you get a lot of the same camera angles and the movements the lighting is very similar there's not quite as much lens flare in discovery but you know there is some so the fact that Discovery is more modern, it doesn't look like old Trek, again, classic Trek in uh, Rick Berman Trek, can't be the reason that I'm not connecting with it because I'm, I connect with 2009 and the rest of the Chris Pine movies. But there are two theories that I have that I think maybe I'm not connecting with it. One, 2009 came out when I was in high school. I don't know quite how to phrase this, but because it came out in high school, I was a lot younger and I guess I was more open to <laughs> newer Trek. And so I was like, I was all in. I was like, okay, I know it's new. I had to do some mental uh, gymnastics to get around that. And I did. I remember when they released the first image of the Enterprise Bridge. I, I want to say it was 2007. And I was eating a, a Kit Kat bar which isn't relevant to the story, but it's what I associate that moment with. And I was stressed out. I was like, this doesn't look like Star Trek. This is going to be weird. And it took me a good, you know, two or three days to really process it, unpack it, and then be like, all right, I get it. It's going to be different. I'm still going to enjoy it. And I did. So maybe it was because I was in high school and I was more open to, to new Trek and I was younger, so I wasn't quite as set in my ways, maybe. I'm not sure. But then the other thing is, maybe it was because of the amount of time that 2009 has been around. Because it's been around since 2009, and that's over a decade. So for over a decade, I've been exposed. So for over a decade, I've been used to Chris Pine as Captain Kirk. And I've gotten used to the idea of Star Trek looking and feeling different than what I know or what or rather what I think of Star Trek as being so maybe there's that and maybe it just comes down to the fact that they were movies and I already knew going into those films that okay because they're movies they're going to be different than the TV series because you can't have a TNG episode as a movie it's not going to be exciting it's going to be too many people just sitting around talking about ethical concerns and great debates and grandiose theories, which <laughs> I know it's not just that. And I make Star Trek sound really boring when I describe it that way. But there is a lot of 
aspects of the original series and TNG and even the later series that don't quite translate well to movies because movies are meant to be go in, there's the bad guy, they're up to no good, you got to go blow up the bad guy. That's what you could probably say are at the core of the Star Trek movies. And again, that's not all the movies. Some of them are more thought-provoking than that. But for the most part, that is kind of their theme. So as a Trekkie, I know that if a new movie is coming out, I'm going to be seeing something that is quite different than the TV series. And I'm okay with that because I expect it. It's what we've gotten used to. So maybe because the Kelvin movies were movies, I was able to adapt to them a lot easier and I enjoy them almost as much as I enjoy regular Trek. Obviously, I don't like those movies as much as I like regular Trek. And I said regular again, referring to classic Trek and Rick Berman Trek. But I still go back to those all the time. And I still feel like those movies are on not the same level as as classic and Rick Berman Trek, but pretty darn close, at least in my mind with my nostalgia. Maybe it's a combination of all of those reasons that I haven't made discovery my Friday night appointment viewing Shwarma and Fry's show. But who knows? I could go on about that forever. So instead, I'm going to shift gears and we are going to move in to this week's edition of Wait, What Did You Say? And for this week, I want to take some dialogue from Up the Long Ladder, which I just referenced earlier, which is the one about the clones and the one with the Irish-seeming colonists. And this dialogue comes from the scene where Riker and Dr. Pulaski and Picard are having a conversation with the prime minister of the clone colony about their current crisis. I actually want to start with Pulaski's dialogue. How did you overcome the problem of replicative fading? We haven't. You have got a problem. Each time you clone, you're making a copy of a copy. Subtle errors creep into the chromosome and eventually end up with a non-viable clone. How can we help? We need an infusion of fresh DNA. I was hoping they'd be willing to share some tissue samples. You want to clone us? Yes. No way, not me. How can you possibly be harmed? It's not a question of harm when William Riker is unique, perhaps even special, but a hundred of him, a thousand of him, diminishes me in ways I can't even imagine. There's actually two things that I find interesting about this scene. One, I like the idea of the actual fading. It's a cool sci-fi concept, but what's interesting is that they make it out to be this thing that no one has heard about, which I don't know if maybe it was because of the time that this was written that that wasn't something that was in other sci-fi. But to me, it's a very basic idea. I've seen this problem before. I know they deal with this in Stargate, and I'm sure other sci-fi deals with this issue. So when they explain it, it seems kind of like, oh, wow, we're talking about this grand thing that no one has ever heard of ever before, which I find that hard to believe. But again, I don't know if in 1989 when this episode came out, I think it was 89, if that was something that was talked about in other science fiction. And so I found that kind of interesting. It also seemed odd to me that Riker wouldn't know about that just because I feel like they've dealt with clones before in Star Trek at that point and there should be some knowledge of it. Of course, I could be totally wrong and maybe I'm just making things up, but it just seemed odd that Riker didn't know about it to me. Again, I could be totally wrong. 
the other thing that I love is that Riker makes such a big point about the fact that one Riker is unique, but not more than that. He says 100 and 1,000. He doesn't say two, but it's funny that he is so adamant about, no, I can be the only Commander Riker ever because I'm Riker and I'm unique. And if you were to have another Riker, that would totally ruin me. So it's funny hearing him saying this when you know that, you know, down the road, he's going to come across another Riker who's not even a clone, but just as Riker as he is. That to me is quite interesting. Uh, (laughs) It was like I had to like go back and be like, wait, what did that just happen? Had a little bit of a chuckle there. So it was a fun little bit of foreshadowing, even though I'm sure the writers had no idea they were ever going to clone Riker or rather give us a, a Riker 2 who's not a clone. So that was kind of interesting. I thought that was kind of funny. But what about you? Are you enjoying New Trek? Are you into it? Or are you having the same problems that I'm having? Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Also, let me know what you like, what you don't like about the show, because ultimately my goal is to make a show that you enjoy listening to. And in the paraphrase words of Captain Kirk, I shall see you out there. That away.